Well, hi, this is Gabe Hartfield, and I want to thank you for joining us here on the podcast. I get the privilege to work with a community of post-college young adults, and so that's why we call this podcast The Post. And every week, we get to send out a message into the world that provides practical steps to a mature faith, inspires hope, and helps make the invisible God visible. So here's what we talked about this week at The Post. Guys, I'm so excited to be here with you tonight. I work for a college ministry called University Christian Outreach, but I started a sabbatical back in August. So I haven't done any speaking in like three or four months. So either I'm going to talk to you for a long time tonight, or I'm well rested, geared up, ready to go and hit you with a nice punchy message. And hopefully we can get through the two things that Gabe spoke about and not drag on for the rest of this night. I want to start off with, before I tell you more about myself, I want to start off with a scripture passage here from Paul. Philippians, I don't know if you're like me, uh, I start reading the scriptures, I read Philippians, and I'm just like ready to run through a wall. And I, I took an acting class in college, and like they taught you how to read as, you know, like as if you're really there in the moment, and try to like get in the mind of the speaker. And Paul's in prison, and sometimes when he's writing, when he's speaking, it's just it just starts going and going and going, and it just gets me amped up. So I want to share with you this one section of Philippians. Philippians is like one of these books, like pick any five verses in Philippians, and it just gets me, gets me moving here. So this is from chapter 3, verse 8. It says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus. That, that comes through the faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Brothers and sisters, the Lord has taken hold of our lives. He has made us his own. Paul recognized this, and he strived to make Christ his own. And I just want to start off my comments in that truth, that Christ has made us his own. No matter where we're at in, in the context of relationships, whether we are in a great relationship, whether we're in a bad relationship, whether we're aspiring to be in a relationship, it's good and helpful to know that Christ has made us his own. That's a fundamental truth that we cannot lose sight of as we're seeking to be known and loved by others, as we're seeking to know and love others. So I want you to hold on to that truth. If you forget anything of what I've said to you tonight, don't let go of the truth that Christ has made you his own. Christ didn't die on the cross to have you flounder and fail and to leave you by the wayside. He wants the best for you. As it says in 2 Corinthians, he's going to take you from one degree of glory to another. So I just want to start with an encouraging note, build you up that way. 
All right, so my name is Noel Delgadillo. It says Delgadillo down here. That's not a Christmas tradition. I didn't read the sign. Um, I was born and raised in Miami, Florida. My parents are immigrants from Nicaragua. They fled the Sandinista Revolution in 1979. So me and my siblings were all born in Miami. Uh, we grew up going to church. My parents were also annoyingly part of another prayer group that met every weekend as well. So we got together for prayer and worship and scripture studies like this. Um, so he did double duty on the weekends. Um, I got three amazing siblings, two sisters who are married, giving me eight nephews and nieces. My younger brother uh, just finished medical school in the Dominican Republic. He's trying to do that in the U.S. now. We'll see if it works out. Um, that's a joke for him listening at home. Uh, I wanted to be a doctor growing up. I was also failing at a pre-med in college because I ran track and cross country and I was caught up in the party life. Um, so I started to take, so I took, I was like, you know what, pre-med's not working out. So I started doing liberal studies, which is like a general studies program at FIU in Miami. Um, reading philosophy, sociology, and it was in that moment that I experienced this deep longing and desire in my heart that I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. And I, I had a lot of things going for me, uh, with the exception of failing pre-med. Um, I knew I could get back on track, um, but I just experienced the Lord calling me. And the more that I turned to Him, I gave Him little by little. The more that I gave to Him, the more He surprised me with His grace, with His love, with His joy. Um, so I decided I would do a mission year. I went to Northern Ireland, which is a crazy place to do a mission year. And there I discovered that the more that I gave away to the Lord in my life, serving Him, uh, the more I received back. Now, I'm not trying to frame this in like prosperity gospel stuff. I wasn't getting money back. In fact, I had no money. I had zero money for about three months. Couldn't pay anything until I got my tax break. Um, but I just experienced the Lord's love and the invitation to give my life completely, totally, radically to Him. Um, and I won't go through every aspect of my discernment, but long story short, I'm here because I've got a commitment to celibacy, to live single for the Lord. I'm part of a brotherhood called the Servants of the Word. I've been with them for 17 years. I made a lifelong commitment in 2014, and I've been, I've been living in Grand Rapids for the last 12 years. Uh, as a single man with other single men who do mission for the Lord. Um, but I do want to share some things, but not every single aspect of it. Um, I, the three songs we sang, this is the summary of my message. Is he worthy? Why would anybody give their life to the Lord? Why would anybody in this day and age where relationships are so important. They weren't that important a thousand years ago. I mean, they were important. God gave us relationships. You know, first command is, you know, take, take eat, be fruitful, to, right? Um, super important. But like relationships, this day and age are even more important. We stake out a lot of our identity in our life and our relationships. Why would someone forsake that, right? Why would someone give that up? Because God's worthy. God is worthy. Um, before I get into it, second song. All my life I have lived in the goodness of God. 
I mean, God is so good. God is so good. I don't know if you've ever done one of these like gratitude exercises. Like wake up, write down 10 things you're thankful for, you know, Instagram posts, inspirations, whatever. Um, Do it. If you haven't done it lately, do it. Like write out a list. Fill a page of things that you're grateful for. Just last week. You know, we're going to do year-end reviews here soon. I don't know if you do goal setting for the next year. If you're thinking about 2024, do just take an hour, take half an hour, and just fill out a page. What are the things you're grateful for in the last year? And I, I dare you to not fill a whole page. I, God, God is so good if we have the eyes to see. That's been my experience. And then this last song, uh, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. What does the name Emmanuel mean? God with us. God is with us. If God is with us, what can be against us? Right? I mean, it's, it's dangerous to try to be single in 2023, right? Right? Yeah, if you're trying to be single, I mean, I mean, try being married, right? What's the divorce rate? Like 50%. Why do people get divorced? A lot of it is because of infidelity. Right? Not to be doom and gloom. I'm just saying it's hard to be faithful in this day and age. But God is good. God is gracious. Right? God is with us. So that's, that's my summary. That's where I'm going. You, we don't need to listen to me for the next 12 minutes. Um, uh, it's worth being single for the Lord because God is worth it. Uh, he's surrounded us with his glory, with his goodness. He has surrounded my, my life with his goodness. And he's with us. He's with me in this. And I just want to share a little bit about that. I mean, I just want to read some stuff here. Maybe I'm... I told Gabe I've, I've got like an hour or two that I can speak from, but I'm just trying to read the room. Um, I'm not going to go for an hour. I'm going for 10 more minutes. Uh, some scripture passages, I really shared one of, of Philippians. There's one in Ephesians that uh, it, it just summarizes to me, uh, and, it, and it's, it's been very profound in my life. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, You were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the age of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience. All of us once lived among them in the passions of our flesh, following the desires of our flesh, and like the rest of them, were by nature children of wrath. Paul is just summarizing humanity and the futility of our of our pursuit of what's in our own heart. We were dead in our trespasses. We were following the ways of the world. We were ensnared by the ways of the evil one. Um, we were ensnared by our own flesh. It says we were all caught up in this. And Paul is like, you know, Paul can sometimes get gloomy. It's like, all right, Paul, come on, take us up here. He says, but God, being rich in mercy, be great love with which he loved us, even while we were dead in our sins, made us alive together with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. By grace you have been saved. This is not of your own doing that no one may boast. It is a free gift of God. And meditating on this passage and really digging into it, it's just blown up my life. You know, it's blown up my life. 
knowing that I, have, I can have freedom from the ways of the world, knowing that I can have freedom from the ways of the evil one, knowing that I can have freedom from my own uh, sinful tendencies. And it's all for free, right? It's all for free. Maybe the second passage, I'll just say that has really spoken to me is um, that part where the disciples asked Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And he says, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Actually, he says, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, right? And I've thought about that because, well, this will lean into the third one, but I, I'm a runner. I used to be a runner. I haven't run in 17 years. Um, you know, once a runner, always a runner. Um, I ran track, and, and that, that was like a big thing for me. And in running, especially long distance running, there's no shortcuts. I don't know if any of you guys run. Um, like you can't win a race by getting lucky. Like a, te- like a teammate can't bail you out with a three-pointer or a home run or something. Like you can't win but by embracing suffering. It, you know, it just sucks. You're going to get dirty. You're going to suffer. That's the only way you can win a long-distance race is get to the front, suffer, and outlast everybody, right? And it requires this all-out commitment. Our coach would tell us, you just got to be ready to pay the price. You're going to pay the price or not? I said, I don't know, coach. He's like, all right, well, figure it out. Otherwise, you're going to lose and suck. Um, <laughs> our coaches were really inspirational. In <laughs> yeah, just get to the point. Um, and so I'm reading this passage and meditating upon it. And I'm thinking, well, God, what do you mean by all of my life, with all my soul, with all my heart, all my strength, all my mind? All, he says. It's like I said, I said it four times. That's what I mean. All, even at all. Um, and that's just struck me. That's just struck me that God calls us to give all of our lives. Now, does that mean that he's calling all of us to be single? No, he hasn't. But he calls some. You know, Paul says at one point in Corinthians, I wish that some of you were like me. And he's referring to singleness. For those of you that are not married, continue as if you're not married. Um, don't find a wife. And he actually says to those that are married, live as if you're not. And he goes through a set of things. Like he's basically recalibrating their expectations for life. Um, Christ was single. Christ had this total determination to do the Father's will. Again, to the question, why would someone be single in this day and age? Because it gives us the opportunity to live our life completely for Christ. Um, Raise your hand if you need Christ. Okay. Raise your hand if you know someone that needs Christ. Okay. Raise your hand if you know someone who needs Christ, but they don't believe in Christ and you don't know how to help them see that God is real and that God loves them. Yeah. Okay. Also, raise your hand if you've ever tried to convince someone that God is real by like arguing. Oh, yeah. Now, now, keep your hands raised if you convince them through your argument. Absolutely. Right? <laughs> um, it's, the, it's the testimony of our life that has the power to change people. Right? It's the testimony of our life. It's what they see. 
And I don't, I don't know if you have any siblings or any family member, anybody that you love dearly that doesn't know the Lord. And I take it, since you're giving up your Tuesday night, to worship and to read the scriptures that you believe, you know, what the Bible says, or at least some aspect of it, or you're wrestling with it. But knowing Christ is everything, and not knowing Christ is, you know, the Bible says is, <laughs> it's not great. You're not going to end up in, in a good place relative to God, right? Um, I don't know if you've ever had the experience of, or the sad experience of having someone pass away and die. Uh, and then you consider, oh my gosh, did I ever give, did I miss a chance to share the gospel with them? Did I live a life that gave them a chance to consider the gospel? Right? It's part of my motivation. Uh, part of the, what God used in my life was actually the death of a few friends. Um, to really help me see what is at stake and how can I be a light to this world in the midst of the darkness. We can do that as married people too, right? In fact, if we don't do that as married people, you know, the church is in for a big problem. So, but I thought I experienced the invitation from God to be single, to be a testimony to God's all sufficiency for us. Hopefully that bears good fruit. Okay. Wrapping up here the last few minutes, and then Gabe or any others could ask questions for or after. Um, there's there's like three kinds of singleness uh, that I was asked to like touch up on. I've one shared about my own, which is like a commitment, deliberate commitment to be single for the rest of my life. Um, and what's the good in that? What are the challenges? You can ask me later for that part. Okay, I'm gonna skip to the second form of singleness, which is choosing to be single for like a small season, say three months, six months, a year. Why would you do that? Should anybody do that? What's the good in it? What are the challenges? I've been talking about this with uh, one of my friends who invited me to come out here and said, I encourage it in my college ministry, I encourage people to take a season of singleness. Why? Well, for one, this world, our world, wonderful world we live in, um, modern day, age, culture, just places it upon us that we be in relationships from the time we're like teenagers. It's just like the expected th thing, right? It's like just have a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Just, you know, why? Because, well, because it's cool. You have a friend, you get to have some sort of romantic involvement, right? As long as you don't cross certain lines. Um, but we've created this idol of like relationships and it's like these mini marriages that start in middle school or high school or in college and what happens is that we get to a place where we actually should be pursuing you know marriage and we have all these patterns either we've lived in those patterns or it's what we see that are treating relationships as the end point like the dating relationship as an end point and if you're going to get into a relationship in a purposeful way, if you want to live well in marriage, it's helpful to kind of do a little detox of like your habits and patterns and how you relate 
in a romantic relationship. And taking some time away could be really good for that. It's also an opportunity for you to grow in your identity separate from someone else. And my, what I mean by identity is your identity as a son or daughter of God. And the next step to that would be your identity as a brother or sister. Right? Sure. Two very helpful things to work on in, in the Lord before you go and give yourself in marriage to someone and say, well, now I'm going to be your husband or wife. It's not clear to me how I'm a son or daughter yet, right? All these things can happen at the same time, I suppose. But it's an opportunity that you can take to be prepared for the second most important decision you ever make in your life. You know, marriage, who you marry, how you're going to live that out. It's a long last, it's a commitment that's meant to last until death do us part. You know, take a few months to dig into your relationship with the Lord and get that lined up in a good way. What are the challenges? Um, well, people will, people will get on you for that. What I tell people is as soon as you make a decision to not date, all of a sudden, that guy that never talks to you, he noticed you. And he'll say something like, I heard Susan say this about you. And you're like, oh my gosh, you know me? You remembered what Susan said about me? Or if you're a guy, all of a sudden, you know, she kind of flicks her hair and she's talking to you by the water cooler. <laughs> you're like, well, she'll say, I, you know, I've been thinking and so-and-so told me that you've got some good ideas about whatever. Like, it just happens. As soon as you decide to be single for a season, it's like all the opportunities come knocking on your door to, like, challenge that decision. Stay strong. Okay, the good is in the suffering. <laughs> Not always, but. Um, and then lastly, and I, I'm already over time, classic. Um, lastly is you might not, you certainly are, unless you probably aren't like living single for the Lord for the rest of your life, right, on purpose. I'm assuming most people here or any have decided that. Um, but perhaps you take a season to be single, a few months, whatever. Um, but some of us here might be single by circumstance, meaning we want to get married, we want to be in a relationship, but I'm striking out, asking out girls, or uh, I haven't had guys ask me out, or you know the right guys haven't asked me out, whatever. I don't know the reasons. I've never been in the dating game, okay? Not for 17 years. Um, but I want to say something about that, that in-between phase of I've made a decision or I've discerned I want to be married or I think God's calling me to marriage, right? Um, but I'm not married and I desperately want to be married. And I'm not. I'm not even in a relationship. And I want to acknowledge, one, that that can be hard. That can be frustrating. We might be, you know, different ones of us might be more or less at peace with that, more or less frustrated by that, more or less despairing about that. And I, I just want to encourage you and tell you that God knows you, God loves you, God sees you. As I said earlier, God wants to, he does want to, this is one of the insane things about our faith. God wants to glorify you. 
is he wants to transform you from one degree of glory to another. And he'll do that through a relationship or he'll do that through these moments of desolation or dryness, you know. And it, there can be real suffering in this. Some people will say, ah, you know, whatever. No, like this can be real suffering. I just want to acknowledge that. I don't want to like swipe that on the table. But I want to say that there's purpose in that. Don't miss out on God's purpose in that moment. Right? You're not sitting on the bench. Like God wants something for you right now in that moment of singleness. So whatever frustration you have, whatever, let's just call it frustration. Bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, help me be open to what you want for me, what you have for me in this phase. A bad way to approach this phase is to get angry and resentful and bitter, try to try to figure out the world's ways about getting into a relationship. Don't don't do that. That would be a bad way. Like seek the Lord and trust yourself to Him. Um, God will make use of that that place and time, that singleness, that season if you can surrender it to him, if you can entrust yourself to him. Well, we want to thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope it inspires you through the rest of the week. If you're listening on Spotify or on another device, we want to just invite you to click follow and join us for more podcasts in the future. Have a great week.